0: Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sons Podcast, presented by The Loyal Sons, that's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love well timed monsoons and hate losing bye games to military schools, this is the place for you The Loyal Sons Podcast, a safe, sunshiny place. For your pit athletics fix. I
1: know. Have you ever I
0: know. Have Today's you guest, ever Jordan Addison, the NCAA's leader in receiving touchdowns. You may have heard of him. We'll talk to him in a little bit. And we'll also talk a little bit about. The instant classic in the rain against UNC. But first, we have a little bit of internal housekeeping we want to take care of. My co-hosts, uh, as always, Squid and Dylan. How are you guys doing?
2: Feeling good. Feeling real good. We dried off and we're in a good place right now.
3: Yeah, riding high and uh, it's a big week. Not only for us, not but for the Panthers as well, but especially for us. So, um, looking forward to it. Yeah, so, so Dylan, why, why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about this the, this weekend, Loyal Sons. Yeah, so it's pretty monumental for us. Um, as of Monday, we did our first merchandise drop for patented uh, Please Win shirts. You know the plea that we, we have for our Panthers every week at the end of this pod. Um, so we got crewnecks, hoodies, t-shirts all available. Um, just go to our Twitter, the link will be there. Um, and also the name change. You know, it started off as Cable Faithful. This Twitter that was originally supposed to be a burner to uh, cry about the, <laughs> cry about the dwindling men's basketball program, which has kind of turned into something a lot more fun than that.
2: Well, actually, it started off as us um, and all of our hopes and dreams for the Jeff Cable era. We thought this is going to be the beginning. We're going to turn over a new leaf capable of rise from the ashes that was the Kevin Stallings era and bring us back to national prominence. Uh, we've got a ways to go still. This loss of the Citadel was not the reason why we changed the handle. We were thinking about doing it for a while. It
3: did not help, though. It sped off the process. Maybe expedited yeah. We just
2: pulled the bandit off real quick. It was a bit
0: of
3: an excipient. But yeah, um, so those are two big things. And obviously, you know, um, Jordan Addison joining us on this week's episode, um, who will now become the leading receiver uh, of all podcast guests we've had, passing Elijah Zeiss and his five catches for 54 yards in his pit football career. So, sorry Elijah, you're now number two. but uh, Number one in our hearts. Exactly. But
0: yeah, we, we just kind of figured, you know, with the uh, Jeff Capel era coming to a close, we assume, pretty safe assumption at the end of this year, uh, and you know, the fact that our podcast is gaining a little bit of listenership. It, it might make sense to kind of consolidate the brand.
3: Yeah, so hopefully Jeff Cable turns around. He doesn't need to be fired, but this was a necessary change, and we're glad you all uh, have accepted it. So moving on to more important things. Uh, the
0: Pit Panthers on national TV Thursday night in the rain. The duel of two of the biggest names in the 2022 NFL Draft. uh, Pull out one in overtime against North Carolina.
2: What are your guys' uh, general thoughts from the game? That first half was one of the more fun halves of football I've experienced in person. I was having a blast watching the offense put up points, Pickett was slinging it. And also, more importantly, Sam Howell was on the ground quite a bit, so... Those things
3: combined made for an awesome experience what was it like five sacks in the first half? yeah all five came in the first half didn't get to him in the second half well they got to him they just didn't get him on the ground with the ball in his hand right right yeah I mean first half was unbelievable um, great energy in the stadium great energy outside the stadium oh uh, you know we were down in the gold lot tailgating and I'll tell you what. A lot of Panther spirit going on around Pittsburgh right now, and, and, you know, carried on into the stadium. I thought it was a really cool atmosphere. I think any time you play under the lights at Heinz Field, um, it adds a little extra energy to the game, and then, you know, capping it off with an absolute monsoon in overtime, and just felt like, just felt like the big man upstairs was on our side, giving us a little extra push in that, in that OT session. I was, I was going to wait to get into, you know,
0: the collapse in the second half and then the subsequent overtime, but it really felt like the second Kroll fell back into the end zone, like the skies opened and unleashed, you know, 40 days and 40 nights of rain onto the earth. And it was the first time that it ever felt like cosmic forces were working in the favor of Pitt as opposed to the detriment.
2: If we... When that coin toss, we probably defer, and then it's us who have the ball in that monsoon. So, all those little things finally going in Pitt's favor.
0: It, I mean, if that's the only hint that you need that this is this is a different year for the University of Pittsburgh. I mean,
3: I think we've said this different year comment like a couple <laughs> times this year, and a couple times it's been uh, followed with a loss. But hey... Uh, this year is different. It's, it's, this is probably the most fun season I, I can remember. Um, you know, Kenny's last ride, really Pitt putting things together, ACC being wide open, mm-hmm. the college football playoff talk, although short-lived, was pretty damn cool to have Pitt involved in, in some serious uh, national uh, headlights and, uh, headlines, I should say, and really, um, you know, e- even now, you know, Kenny's in the Heisman race, although... You know, the Blue Bloods, the voters are going to vote for the Blue Bloods, but Kenny's name's still in the conversation, and honestly, you know, he's breaking records every week. It's It's been fun.
0: Yes, let's talk about it. He launched a long ball to Jordan Addison that broke Alex Van Pelt's record for the most passing yards in pit history. What did
2: that moment mean to you guys? It was really cool because, A, he did it, and, B, coming into the year, we thought he'd have a chance I don't think we thought he'd get to it in 10 games.
3: No, it definitely felt like, you know, it was maybe maybe a stretch. Um, thought he definitely had a legit chance, but would probably maybe take an ACC championship, a bowl game. Yeah. Um, for, it, for him to have it with potentially four games left on the schedule was, I mean, unbelievable. And for the most talented receiver,
0: you know, to play at Pitt during his tenure to haul in the, uh, the record
3: breaker, it felt poetic. I do wish there would have been a little bit more to-do made about it. It kind of felt like, you know, it was in the flow of the game and mm-hmm. they had to get to the next play, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to experience and I'm glad we got to see it. So, it, he broke the record, but it wasn't all sunshine and
0: rainbows for our guy Kenny uh, during the game. The wheels started to come off a little bit in uh, in the second half before his overtime heroics. Uh, how far do you to read into um,
2: Pitt's performance in the second half, it was weird because you can't really put your finger on one thing that was the reason why. Usually, like my first thought was, oh, the play calling is conservative. We're up big. We're running the ball or changing how we're calling the game just because we're winning. I don't think the play calling was conservative. I feel like we were throwing the ball a lot. Like the running backs really weren't doing much in the second half. So,
3: didn't feel was, like we did much to get them involved either. Yeah.
2: So I don't know. I think there were some untimely sacks, penalties, and just little things that uh, threw off the rhythm. I guess UNC's defense did play a lot better, and they, that was maybe the biggest part of all of that. Yeah, UNC really stepped it up in all facets. Uh, one of the first notes
0: I made in the game was that UNC didn't look like they belonged in that stadium. Like They, they looked completely unprepared and flustered. It was flying all over the place. Uh, our defense had it arguably its best game of the season— um, you know, barring a, a few mistakes, some uh, some slips at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but <clears throat> UNC credit to them started to figure it out a little bit. Um, but there were there were still some pretty concerning trends. I still thought that there were some play calling issues in in bad areas. Um, and another, you know, wide receiver pass, another double pass or reverse pass in the red zone. I thought we were done with that. Um, it
3: would have worked if Jordan caught it. Let's Let's put that out there. Jared yeah. Wayne threw an absolute dime, his second one of the season. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that one. Um, personally, I, I didn't mind it. but I, I mean, you know, there were some other things that go on. Just kind of a weird game, Thursday night game, um, being down two starters on the offensive line once Cradle went out um, mm-hmm. without Cradle and Hoy both on that right side of the line. I'm sure that thing. I'm sure that kind of messes some things up for for a play caller and for the offense. It throws things out of whack a little bit, but um, you know, I, I'm not going to read too much into it. I think you know, really, it should be, a, a, you know, testament to what this pit team can do. They can win the game in multiple ways. We've been talking about that a lot this year. Uh, defense stepped up when they needed to, and quite frankly, uh, they got out of there with a win in tough conditions, off a short week, a little banged up. And now they have a long, a little extended break uh, before going into the UBA game. I think we should take a moment to give the defense credit. I feel like they
2: did so much to keep the offense in the game. There were a lot of fourth down stops. They kept UNC at the end, sort of the end. And that has been the opposite all year. The defense has been letting us down. They couldn't get the ball back that one last time. Uh, so shout out to all those guys. Yeah. yeah. Secondary was really good, aside from like that one... Stumble like you mentioned. They're making tackles. Hallett made a couple really
0: nice open field tackles, and I know we've uh, we've been pretty critical of him in the last couple weeks because he has been a liability in the open field to uh, some regard. But he he really stepped up this week. Uh, one guy I wanted to mention in particular. Uh, I would like us to spend like the next thirty seconds just effusively
3: complimenting Savasie Dennis because that kid is a dog. ACC linebacker of the week, nine tackles, a sack, three tackles for loss. I mean, he was all over the place. And he's the, he's the middle of that defense, and you, hear, you just hear his teammates praise him, his, how intelligent he is, how, how good of a leader he is. And really, it just kind of seems like he's coming into his own. I mean, I think he's played pretty well all season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, on, on Thursday night, you know, he, he was the best player on the field for about half that game. I was watching the Steelers game on Sunday, and I thought, "Can we trade him for Devin Bush? I mean,
2: he might fit right into that Steelers defense, but we'll give it a couple of years." I
0: think I think Dennis might be the the straw that stirs the drink. I think Canty's the most talented player on that defense, but uh, I I don't think you can take away the impact that. Dennis has on that unit as a whole. Because they, they, they really did step up when they needed to. I mean, I thought it was game over when uh when UNC took the ball down to the one with two minutes left. I
2: thought we were cooked. Yeah, I was honestly begging Pitt to let UNC score on that run play that got him down there. I thought, uh, I don't think we can keep it out of the end zone one last time. We'll, if we let him score here, we we'll at least have some time to go out and try to get a touchdown. But they stood strong one last time. We got some help from some dumb penalties and dumb snaps from UNC. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they made the
3: plays. Also, uh legit NFL pass rusher. I think so. Maybe not this year. Give him another year to come back. But he already has eight sacks in the season. And it just seems like, you know, tackles just can't block him. And uh, he's in the backfield all the time disrupting things for... Opposing quarterback so that's another guy who's just productive this year and is really promising moving forward. Yeah he's he's definitely a certified stud and
0: I, I think we were a little bit worried without Weaver and Jones what kind of production we were gonna get from our defensive ends. We knew what to expect from Keyshawn Camp and, and Devin Danielson and Kalaja Cansey, but uh, I think the ends we had a couple more
2: uh, uh, worries. Yeah, we knew they'd be pretty good. It was just a matter of how good, because, hey, I don't care how good you are, it's hard to replace NFL talent. To all Americans. Yeah. So we thought they'd be pretty good at least, but would it be a big drop-off in production? Would that impact the entire defense? Uh, There might have been a little bit of questions early on about the pass rush, specifically from those spots, but I think Haba, John Morgan, Alexander, Hayes, all those guys have stepped up playing really well as of late, especially. I mean, we're still number one in the country in sacks. I was just
3: going to say, I think we were a little critical of the pass rush a couple weeks ago, and then we looked and saw we were still the leading the nation in sacks, so it just kind of shows how how spoiled we are uh, having Charlie Charlie Partridge coach those D-linemen. Uh, he's he's got to be one of the best uh, position coaches in the NCAA. Yeah, I don't think that can even be argued. I mean, if you're a defensive lineman, defensive end, defensive tackle, coming out of high school... Especially in the Western PA area, how can you possibly, possibly look at what Chuck Partridge is doing and, and not want to come play at the University of Pittsburgh? He's a guru. He is, He really
0: is something else. Um, and and thanks to you know that defensive front and you know a couple other factors, it felt like Pitt was winning a field position battle. Actually, because of that defensive front and Jordan Addison uh, returning punts. It felt like we won a field position battle for the first time uh, in years.
3: We already know Jordan Addison's NFL wide receiver, but wouldn't be surprised if he's used as a punt returner in the NFL as well. He's absolutely electric. Um, Get the ball in his hands in space. Uh, I think Narduzzi noted on it during either his post-game presser or his Monday presser, just talking about, you know, they knew he was the best guy to put back there as a returner. It's just, you know, risk-reward. Not not put your Bolitnikov finalist receiver uh, in harm's way, but I mean, the the effect on the game is very clear when he when he's returning kicks. Yeah, we it felt like we had them
0: pinned deeper. We were in plus territory the entire game. I don't know how uh, Pickett would feel about about if it's worth it right now, but uh, I'm certainly grateful because it felt like we were living down the Tar Heels' throat. That entire first half, thanks to him, and uh, and you know a
3: couple decent punts and just some, you know, great tackling on special teams. Yeah, I don't think Kenny's too thrilled about it. <laughs> he made a comment how he just whispers in Jordan's ear to fair catch the ball anytime he goes out for a punt. I a wish punt Kenny would whisper in my ear. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Before we,
0: we move on from you know what was a great program when you know in front of a lot of eyeballs especially NFL GMs, uh, one thing I didn't want to discuss that worried me because I always need to be the dark cloud. That one minute drill. That was that was bad. That was like, like really bad.
3: Yeah, I mean we we watched it right before we recorded this. We went back and watched the game and you know. I think the near interception that Kenny threw on first down may have may have spooked uh, you know Whipple maybe it a little bit want to be conservative give yourself a chance in OT um, you know is that the right way to go about it I don't know but I, I feel like after that you know I even felt myself after that play like we cannot we cannot turn the ball over here we cannot give it back to them um,
2: we had no momentum no rhythm that entire half. So, on one hand, I'm okay with them not being uber-aggressive. But we only needed a field goal, and, I don't know, the Heisman Trophy finalists, you kind of hope you'd be able to orchestrate a couple quick passes over the middle, uh, get first down, stop the clock, get up there, and do it again. They just, I don't know, took too long on a couple of those short dump-offs, and that kind of just put us behind the eight ball. I'm not even that worried about... I mean, the conservative play calling was bad.
0: John, I think you hit the nail on the head. When you have your a generational quarterback talent, you know, that your school doesn't see very often, I, I think you should be willing to take chances, even if he's looked not his best in that half, even if there is a little bit of rain. My issue was the pace. They—I I recall, you know, he hit Izzy over the middle on a short gain, and they got up to the line— and then the whole team turned in unison to the sidelines to look at Coach Whipple, and the crowd instantly started booing. Cause it was like everyone in the stadium at once realized, like, oh, they don't they don't have a hurry-up offense. They don't have like a quicker method of calling plays. This this whole thing, you know, where where Pickett runs to the sideline and they kind of take their time with it, that's that's not just something they do to control the clock. They, they don't have another gear. And that worries me as we get down the stretch, and, you know, if Virginia is one of the better teams that we will have played all year, if we make it to the ACC championship, Wake Forest will be unquestionably the best team we play all year. And if that, we can make it into a decent bowl, that's probably whoever we end up playing is going to be the best team that we, we play all We want Bama. Year. Speak for yourself. I'm just worried we're going to end up in some tight games, and, and we're going to be asking you know Kenny to run a two-minute drill, and is he going to be running to the sidelines while the clock is winding down?
2: That was that was very worrying. I mean, he's done it in the past. We had like four fourth-quarter comebacks.
3: Did it in the Tennessee game earlier this year, albeit it was in the first half. Um, you know, I think they have that. I I do agree that it was worrisome at the time, but. You know, it might have been a, I think it might lean more towards what we said at the beginning of this was they didn't want to take too many risks on potentially giving the ball back to UNC and, you know, go win it in OT, which they did. Um, But no, I I agree. You know, there's, there's reason to be concerned there if, if the pace isn't great, but um, I'm not overly worried about that aspect of it, but we, we know you have to be the, uh, the dark cloud over, over our sunshiny days, so. Well, you know, ironically enough, it was the dark cloud that won us that game. Crawl summoned the heavens, the, the rain came down, he came off screaming like a madman. I mean, at that point, you know, I, was, I, I took my shirt off, I was enjoying, you know, some people uh, feel the rain, others just get wet. I was feeling the rain out there, and Sam Howe <laughs> was getting wet.
0: I'm so happy Kroll caught that game-winner because I don't think anybody on that offense needed
3: a mental or emotional boost like him. Yeah, I mean, he had a rough little stretch there. Um, you know, we, we talked about it, drop, dropping some passes um, in, in some untimely moments. And, you know, he stepped up in the most timely moment and made, um, you know, I mean, I think you could argue that's that's one of the biggest plays Pitt has had all year. Uh, play of get, the season, yeah. To, to go get, you know, a game-winning catch, um, especially right before the rain. You know, perfect cool. timing. If if we didn't catch there, you know, we're, we're, it's an uphill battle against that uh, that storm that came in. So, yeah, hats off to him. He That's, you know, that's the type of play that I think Pitt fans and the program and the, his teammates were looking for him to make. And at the beginning of the year, he was making those plays. He had five touchdowns through, what, three games. So, um, huge boost for him, and I hope this propels him to really finish that, his senior year strong.
2: I think I mentioned it in the previous podcast when we were discussing the growing drop problem, specifically with Kroll. I said, do you think Pickett will think twice about trying to hit Kroll in a tight window because of the drops? Or if it's like third and five and he sees Kroll but doesn't trust him, will he look elsewhere? I mean, they called that play specifically for Kroll. They talk about uh, how they had that put in their back pocket. They liked the look, and it worked. So, I'm glad we have two really good tight ends still.
3: Yeah, so we can't talk about that whole game without talking about Gavin Bartholomew, even Mm -hmm. if it's for 30 seconds. True freshman stepping up, making plays on the field all game, every game, lined up as a fullback, lined up as a tight end. We've got a stud. In him. Oh, yeah. But I, I think everyone knows that already. We don't have to go too deep into that. But, um, you know, the, the plays he's making as a true freshman, are, that, that's not something you see all over the country. For a freshman tight end, especially in a spot where they ask him to do so much. Um, I don't think they want to be running two tight end sets, but I don't think you can keep him off the field. Exactly, and I think that's a, probably a big reason why they do use him as a fullback is have that weapon on the field. Mm-hmm. He does the, He does the dirty work, making blocks, but at the same time, use him out of the backfield. He has two touchdowns the last two weeks.
0: Maybe the future is a little bright. I don't know. Maybe our window doesn't shut when Pickett leaves. Hey, Nick Patty's going to have some weapons next year. And he is. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves, because we have Virginia this week. Please win. And please buy our shirts. Please win... Please buy our shirts. Please listen to the pod. You already are, but
2: thank you. And please win. Please and thank you.
1: Third and goal. The fake. The end zone. Touchdown Bartholomew. Play design from Whipple. The fake to Abaticanda. Bartholomew wide open. And it is 13-0 Pittsburgh.
0: Now it is time for one of our famous and completely original Mount Washingtons. Uh, Today in honor of Kenny Pickett's last ride at Heinz Field on Saturday. Get the tissues ready. We are going to do a Mount Washington of Kenny Pickett moments. In honor of our guy. Arguably one of the greatest players in pit history, and I think that's saying something. Um, we want to we give him
3: his flowers while he's still alive, and by alive I mean playing football in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's going to be playing football in Pittsburgh for the next 15 years, <laughs> after the Steelers take him in April. God willing. Alright, so you guys ready? Let's do it. Do we have an order? We do not. We never do. Excellent. All right, how, how are we going to figure this out? Well, I actually went to Pitt and graduated from Pitt. So I think I'm due for a number one pick.
2: Well, I went to a branch campus, so that's like half a point. So I'm going to take a uh, pick two then.
0: This is discrimination, and you are both jealous of Maction.
3: Go back to Ohio. All right, Dylan, you're out. Honestly, the number one pick... I don't even know if it helps me. <laughs> the number one pick. There's so many good options for number one. Ah, uh, that I'm. I'm really struggling. Um, but I'm gonna go with. I'm not, I don't even want to say it's my favorite, but it just seems like such a great moment that will be remembered for his career. I'm gonna go with. You know what? I'm changing my mind on what I was gonna pick. Are you good? I'm gonna take. Kenny announcing that he was coming back for his senior season oh, at Pitt. I thought it would sneak by and I could get it. I thought it might sneak by too, but <clears throat> looking at you two in the eyes, I knew it wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I thought I could get that one in the second round. That that tweet came out, and quite frankly, it completely rejuvenated my fandom. I kind of expected this season to be pretty mediocre. Um, didn't expect much, and then he said he was coming back, and all of a sudden, it was like, wait we've got a real chance at something special if he comes back another year.
0: It was like someone took two giant defibrillator pads (laughs) to Oakland. Like, the expectations were so low going into this year before he announced he was coming back. And, I mean, Twitter shot awake. Pittsburgh Sports Media shot awake. It
2: was... So I literally dropped everything that I was doing and spent the next half an hour editing Pickett, Whipple, and Arduzzi's faces to the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh... I ain't leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was like probably our most liked tweet. I have to go back and look, but that got so many likes, and rightfully so. I think Pickett
3: might have even retweeted it. Yeah, or he gave us like a handshake. Of so
1: pleasure. that was the best
2: film of my life. Yeah, exactly. Like?
3: So I, I think, and just for all that it meant after that, he was able to come back, break all the records, lead us to the promised land. So um, I think that's a very worthy number one choice. I agree. Respect it.
2: Number two... There's still some tough ones, but I'm gonna go an early one. Pickett taking out the pylon against Miami. I think that was uh the birth of Kenny Pickett in my mind. Yes, he played in a couple games before that, but that Miami game
3: and specifically taking out the pylon is gonna be remembered forever. Yeah, it's a no brainer. That that was that was probably one one A, one B, and there was another one on there that was probably one C, so I disagree because my number one is still on the board and that is the pit special. Yeah, when I said I changed my mind, I, I went off the pit special <laughs> to take Kenny coming back. I know it's so. weird to
2: think that his most memorable play isn't a touchdown pass is a catch.
0: A uh, a catch that took down the number 15
3: team in the country with a what 27 game win streak or something. Something uh, crazy and and that was one of the most electric uh atmospheres that that Heinz Field had just because just for that play in particular um, not that they had a crazy crowd or anything but to take down a top 15 team on such a on a trick play, on a game that came down to the wire I mean that was I mean he marches down there too Yeah.
2: so my second one
0: um, I I could probably wait on this one but you know if if you like a player, they're worth reaching on. If you like a moment, it's worth reaching on. The initial shotgun celebration uh, against Syracuse <laughs> in 2019. We were absolutely railroading them. Uh, Ken, Kenny Toss is a winner. He and Jimmy uh, do the celebration. The internet loved it. Uh, I loved it. It's on a million t-shirts now. I That was a big one for me. That I think that was the first time people were like, oh...
3: the This kid's got a personality, you know? Yeah, if that would have got back to me, I was absolutely going with the shotgun celebration. So, probably the... Value pick by me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. My
2: second pick. I am going to go with the comeback drive at Duke in 2019. That was a masterful two-minute drill, I think, uh, he completed every pass. There was like one penalty and it was topped off by that. Uh, quick decision to dump it off to Valik Carter for a 26-yard game winner. Got up to a big lead. Blew the lead. Uh, I remember we were at Peter's for the game and we were going nuts in that game-winning drive. And Kenny had a number of fourth-quarter comebacks that year, but that one stands out to be the most.
3: It's pretty good, yeah. All right. Um, uh... So, there's a few, uh, once we get to this point, I think there's a lot that, you know, you can make arguments for, but I'm going to go with one fresh on the brain, and that's breaking the all-time passing record this past week. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, just etches his name into uh, pit lore more than he already had, and, you know, he's number one, and I think we joked about it, like, after his freshman year, after the one start, that he was going to have that title one day um but seriously to like we said to pass van pelt with probably four games left mm-hmm. um he's gonna shadow that record and probably hold that record for maybe the rest of time until you know arch manning commits or something like that but <laughs> yes the the tweet
0: that we're all waiting for
3: <laughs> okay and I, I guess i get two here so on this uh on this wraparound, I'm gonna go with um, the OT win against UNC back in 2019. I know we just had a big OT win, the big strike to uh, crawl uh, this past week, but the one in 2019 stands out to me just because that was just a, a blast of a game to be at. They go to overtime. Dolan with Sam Howe, all the hype around this freshman Sam Howe, and Pickett has Probably prior to this year, his best performance he's had at Pitt, um, and Pat throws a touchdown, runs for two, including the game winner in OT. Um, just absolutely gutsy performance by him, and uh, that that's one game that will always kind of just um, exemplify Kenny Pickett to me.
2: All right, back to me. Whew, there's a lot of lot on here. All right, I'm going to say beating Clemson plus the cracking a cold one celebration. If we won the following week, that would be a little bit higher on my list. That was my (laughs) one hesitation. But Kenny got his revenge on Clemson. Mm -hmm. We propelled ourselves into the rankings, and people are actually looking at Pitt nationally after that win. And then to top it off with that great quote that will go up there with, Probably Paco's best pit post game moments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Certainly up there. Uh, yeah, you took you took one off of my list. Um, so I get two here. Uh, first one, I'm going to go with um, the f- now famous call with Peyton Manning, where he he <laughs> oh. called up. Caught up one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football and said, Hey man, I. you don't need me to tell you this story. Every every announcer for every pit game has told you guys this story. But How it... did
3: Kenny Pickett decide to come back to pit?
2: Do you guys know? Well, what into that decision?
3: Why'd you come back, Kenny? For us, that's why. I don't know, check my 50 previous interviews I've done where everyone I've talked to this year has asked.
0: Yeah, it'll go down, I think, especially, you know, depending on how well we finish this year, um, I think it'll go down as a, as a very pivotal moment in pit football, especially if they can uh, surmise any sort of momentum off of the successes this year. You know, Peyton Manning, of all people, convincing Kenny Pickett to come back for one more ride. A uh, huge moment, not just, you know, for Kenny, but also, I, I think, for the University of the the University of Pittsburgh. So that's that's my one. Um, or my three, rather. And then... It's actually harder than I thought. Um, winning the Heisman. Mm.
3: Objected. You're objecting. I'm objecting. You can't pick something that didn't happen. What if it's something that's certain to happen? See, I thought about doing that with mine, but I didn't want to
2: jinx pit or pick it, so I refrained. I took it off my list. I'm not going to say what it is out loud, but if I say it out loud, it won't happen. So all, right, say all right. It. Then I get a mulligan. So my real
0: fourth pick is um, every sideline hair
3: flip after a touchdown. Yeah, I was trying to figure out a way to put that into words, and, uh, you know, I guess I could have kept it simple. But, yeah, every, every someone should make a montage of all the all the hair flips. He, I'll tell you what, kid knows where the camera is.
0: knows He, he grew his hair out this year. I thought it was a, a great choice, you know, stylistically and both, you know, in, in terms of branding as well. And, you know, the camera always seems to catch him as he's, you know, uh, hunched over on the sidelines after dropping a dime to Jordan
3: Addison uh, and gets gets the dramatic flick back. He's he's got it all. I imagine Nick Patty's just over there with the clipboard covering his mouth, just keeping an eye out and he's like Kenny, Kenny, cameras on you, cameras on you. Do the hair flip.
2: Gets the water squirt on it too. Yeah.
3: yeah, get the water going. Alright, squid. What's your last pick?
2: Is it?
0: Yes. Should be. Because that was my fourth. It's going to go you and then Dylan's fourth.
2: Okay. <laughs> Good brain. Sorry, we we're talking about Kenny's hair flips, and my mind was all over the place. This is definitely our horniest episode. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with the touchdown pass to Taysier Mack, which was an absolute strike on a post route against Wake Forest, which basically. Uh, clinched us the Coastal. That was a big game, and up until that point, Kenny wasn't called on to do a whole lot because we had 2,000-yard rushers. But Wake Forest, they stepped up. They were stopping our runs, and it was a close game. We were losing for a while. But Kenny steps up, big throw over the middle, Mac to the end zone. I remember we all watched that together, and at that moment, we were like, all right, get Airbnb up. We're going to Charlotte. I actually was almost going to pick...
0: Not exactly the same moment, but I kind of view that game as his coming out party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his numbers were not impressive his first four years as a starter. He came out against Wake Forest uh, and and went 23 for 30, 316 yards, and uh, three touchdowns, which about tripled his output from every other game that season. Uh, and And I think that was kind of like the, oh, we might have something here moment, you know, outside of just... Him showing a lot of guts against Miami the year before, but uh, that was that was his
3: big step forward. Yeah, that was also on my list. Was going to pick that next. I was I was just going to say three hundred plus yards versus Wake Forest and clinching the Coastal, but yeah, the the throw to Mac was definitely the the most memorable play from that game. So yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I'll round us out here. You know, I I have a few other moments on here. Um, you know that I could, I could potentially go with, but I'm gonna go with um, Kenny's first NIL deal that he announced for his hog dinners. Yes, because what a s- sweet NIL deal and just such a such a football guy quarterback move. Yeah. Is, I'm just gonna take care of my big lineman up front. And also uh, honorable mention, part of that deal is I'm I have a cameo in his uh, commercial that he put out saying, "Hey Kenny," so. Um, that was personal one for me, and you know that's just an all around personification. Kenny Pickett, you know, I'm gonna take care of my big guys up front. I don't care. I'm not gonna take advantage of nil oh, next I mean, he, week. He next did, did get a pickup truck? out Oh, of he, it. he has a pickup truck. But you see the hog dinners. You see the uh, I'm going to the YMCA, t- toss football around with the kids. So. I think that
2: hog dinner nil deal moved them up like around in mock drafts, just because the scouts and GMs just love that kind of guy. Oh, they love that BS. And then throwing for like four touchdowns on 350 yards a
3: week. Proceed to bump him up around. Didn't. After
2: hurt. That. So just no. imagining
3: NFL draft night. Kenny Pickett goes in the first round. Here's a guy who with his first NIL deal didn't didn't cash in on, you know, uh, anything with No Dr. You know, Pepper commercials. No, no Dr. Pepper commercial. Nothing like that. No, he took care of the big guys up front. That's a guy; he's gonna win the locker room first day. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's the kind of guy you build an organization around. Uh, I, I had, I had two honorable mentions. One was, I really think that throw to Kroll a couple days ago is up there. That yeah, that's in the honest. rain <laughs> to yeah. keep us alive in the ACC after really not playing well the thirty minutes prior. Uh, for him to step up and and make that throw um, huge. Uh, I also wanted to give an honorable mention to the game winning touchdown pass in the Quick Lane Bowl to Taysir Mac. I know that we were playing like a six and six Eastern Michigan team, and that it didn't matter at all. But watching that game, it felt like we
3: we were in the national championship. Back and forth, we couldn't lose. I mean, losing that game would have been. It's absolutely miserable. That would have been catastrophic.
2: I was watching that game at my grandparents' house, and we were all playing some like board game. We were up there for Christmas, and I'm like, "All right, I can't not play a game with my grandparents to watch the Quick Lane Bowl." But I had it on my phone, and I jumped for joy and almost knocked over the table whenever Taysir Mac reeled that in. My honorable mentions: I wanted to get something Tennessee game related because I thought that game was awesome. Uh, Maybe that like fourth down run where he. like breaks a tackle and like yeah. puts his shoulder down to pick up like three yards, but you're like 25 yards on that play. Senior day part one against Virginia Tech last year, but what we thought was his last game at Heinz Field, he threw for 400 yards uh, and the long touchdown pass to Mo French, almost a buzzer beater against Duke. That was like uh, I couldn't take one. two Duke plays. That feels weird. They they don't deserve no. that much shine. And my last honorable mention was his first pass against Syracuse. Comes in, burns his red shirt to throw like a 27-yard strike because Ben DiNucci's helmet came off.
3: How poetic. Got the ball rolling. Yeah. Got them to, you know, step up, put him put in a few games after that, have him start the Miami game. One last one. Uh, finishing out that Boston College game last year, despite them losing on a missed extra point, but he willed them to get back into the end zone um, to give them a chance to win late in the game. and It, it was hurt, on, too. And it was on an ankle that, after that, needed surgically repaired. So um, that's just, I mean, just, that's Kenny Pickett, tough as nails, and um, I thought it needed mention. So so all that to say, we've seen so many great memories with KP so far. This is the last time we'll get to watch him at Heinz Field. I'm going to shed a tear. I'm not even going to act too cool about it, but um, I have a feeling we're going to see a few more before the year is over.
1: So first and ten for Pickett. Again, needs six for the record. Going for more. It is caught. By Jordan Addison. And Pickett to Addison makes history.
0: Alright, now let's bring the mood down significantly. Pit basketball.
3: Ugh.
2: They exist still, uh, they are 0-2, neither game was good,
3: one was specifically really, really bad. Yeah, so let's let's point out that we're recording this um, prior to the Tuesday game against UNC Wilmington, so I'm assuming this will, they'll be 0-3 by the time you all hear this, but it's nice. not, um, <laughs> you know. No, joking aside, uh, they've played two games, lost both games by 15. Losing to West Virginia by 15 would have been understandable. If, if you would have told me that a month ago, I'd have been like, okay, that I can live with that. They lost to the Citadel, who was picked to finish ninth out of ten teams in the Southern Conference. Uh, not a basketball school, by any means.
2: They didn't just lose. It wasn't like a fluky, oh, uh, we lost to uh, Bucknell at the Pete, we lost to Long Beach State. They looked like the worst of the two teams playing that night.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really a really tough place to be in right now. They like have one guard, one scholarship guard playing, essentially. Something um, I didn't think about. We knew that Horton
2: and Sabande were out. But they got hurt so close to the season, it is hard for a team to adjust to that. I will give them... Uh, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. If it was all summer... You can at least learn your role a little bit better. Know what's going to be asked of you. That close to the season, yeah, it's it's a horrible, horrible spot to be in.
3: Yeah, it, as bad as it is, and you know, you could say like it's been mismanaged. the The team's in a, the program's in a bad place. That's just some really terrible luck to experience a week prior to the season, losing two of the three guys you were going to lean on in the backcourt, um, one to an ACL injury and the other to an arrest. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've we've got a walk on who played twenty one minutes the other night. Um, easy, you know. I mean, respect to him, you know, he's doing what he can with with the opportunities being given. But uh, I I couldn't even pull myself to really watch the backyard brawl. I watched about ten minutes of it, and you know, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make plans and go out and do something on this Friday night. Yeah. I, I can't sit here and watch this team, who. Quite simply, they had 32 turnovers. It was encouraging. They had 32 turnovers. You Only people who turn the ball over 32 times is like middle school AAU teams when they're playing a team who's just like every other. Twice up, their size. Twice their size. Everyone's way more athletic. It's all the hand-picked best kids. Those are the teams who turn the ball over 32 times in a game, not ACC basketball teams.
2: It was so sad that it was encouraging that Pitt was down only single digits for a while in the first half. They were hanging in there. You knew where they weren't going to win. It was just a matter if they could keep it somewhat close and for how long. But it got to a point where I think they had 19 total points and 17 turnovers in the first half. Uh, like West Virginia knew nobody can handle the ball except Femi, and they were pressuring the hell out of us, and we could barely even like run a play. We could barely get it up the floor,
3: and I think that's going to be a big problem. Oh, it's going to be huge problem um, you know obviously like we said recording prior to the game tuesday um Cape will mention that Jamarius Burton might see his first action depending on how he feels coming out of practice um, with with the knee the surgically repaired knee but um, that that'll give them a little bit of a lift but i mean there's just there's so many things to look at so i mean one thing i'm looking at is really discouraging uh, Noah Collier you know his second year with the program there's not a ton of talent on this team, and the fact that he really can't find the floor for them is not very encouraging. That was a guy who they were pretty high on coming out of high school. Thought that was a pretty nice pickup for them. Um, you know, it's not like he's sitting behind Chevy Troutman. <laughs> he's not sitting behind Thuan uh, Blair. He's he's sitting behind Mogi. I mean, this is this is not a guy who you would expect to not be able to see the floor, and then. We've got got Nate Santos starting, who's a true freshman who probably has no business playing any real minutes for an ACC team. No, no, nothing against Nate, but he's just not ready. Um, it's it's dark right now. The one bright spot, I would say, uh, John Hughley has played pretty well. He scored twenty seven against the Citadel, had seventeen and six against West Virginia. Um, he's an offensive force, but. I, I don't think 6'9 uh, big man is going to carry us through the ACC this year. So so quick uh, segment inside the segment, a little segment Uh
0: Give me a, a seat-check temperature rating on Jeff Capel right now.
2: Did we even mention on the podcast that Judah Minstie committed? I know no, everybody knows about
3: it by now, but that's just one more. Yeah, that kind of felt like the nail in the coffin on the. That that kind of felt like the uh, thermostat getting turned up on Jeff Capel's seat. You know, that was biggest recruit uh, would have been the biggest recruit landed in the Cable era. Um, Mintz from the DC area really expected. I mean, blew up on the AAU season scene this year. Was already you know highly talented, but really played really well for Team Durant in the UIBL. and. Um, he decommitted, I mean right the day after the citadel loss, and it's like I mean that's a gut punch um, it's deflating, so I we mean, have
2: zero commits. you have to think uh, there's gonna be a transfer to at the end of the year. I just don't know how any coach would like, be able to salvage this. I think this has to be like just pull the plug, Jeff. It was a good hire at first, had some bad luck, had some mess-ups here and there, and it's just not working.
3: Yeah, I mean, the program really isn't in any better of a place than it was when he got here four years ago. And it's disappointing to say there were some really bright spots. He brought in some really talented guys um, through his tenure. And, you know, I'm going to put that seat check at 95 because this is, I mean— Pitt fans want him gone, plain and simple. We're, we're already discussing who the next coach is going to be. I don't see him getting this season to a point where you can realistically look back and be like, oh, wow, you know, we made strides this year just because the roster they have and the road they have ahead the of them. I just don't see it happening. So, um, and it just, you just kind of get the feeling and his press conferences and his media availability that. He's beaten down, and he's really struggling with, with where we're at. So um, I know he's got a hell of a buyout, so he ain't gonna walk away from it. But maybe some type of mutual agreement to part ways. I don't know. This is um, if I'm capable, I come to some agreement. I do not want to be here any longer. If I'm him,
2: I mean, cabinet spare. Just looking at it from where we were, like mid December last year to now, it's like worst case scenario. Everybody good left. Everybody who was like kind of the good as heart. Now it's back to ground zero.
3: The way it feels right now, Jeff Capel was a good hire when they hired him. I thought that was a home run. I think everyone around the college basketball landscape felt that was a home run hire. Uh, great job by Pitt. That's, that's just the type of guy you need. He came in, landed a couple big-time guys, uh, some young guys. You knew they'd struggle early, but showed promise. And now few years later the fact that it's all coming crashing down it it's pretty disheartening because i look around and i wonder you know at this point what or who can really save this program and i don't mean to be dramatic there but you know we haven't gotten much better over the past half a decade um I, i really don't know where it goes from here so thank god for kenny pickett (laughs) <laughs> Thank God for the Pitt Panthers football program because, yeah. I, I mean... Can he play shooting guard? I heard he was a shooter back in his day. Yeah, I heard he was actually straight up wet from three. So, I mean, we need a zone bust or something. I mean, he's the UNC killer. <laughs> Why don't we post... I, I think we should bring in Kalijah Kansi to set screens... <laughs> maybe maybe get take a few some to Addison Haba in the post and who else they got out there? Maybe just I could see Owen Drexel just kind of seems like the the like football player that played basketball in high school and everyone hated playing against him because he just sweat all over you and like <laughs> pushed you around and fouled you way too hard. Lucas Kroll at center, yeah, he's yeah. probably got an inch on one Blair. Yeah, so that team might win. We've successfully uh, pivoted to where can we play the football players on the basketball court. So I think that's a that's a good place to end this. Well, I I, I do have a, a brief proposal for you guys.
0: As Dylan used against me earlier in the uh, Mount Washington, uh, I'm actually a graduate of Ohio University, and Jeff Bowles has this basketball program rolling on 22s pit basketball was my first love but I am I am absolutely living for my small uh, max school turning into like a really formidable basketball program um, they have won every game this year
3: the three and0 they no by... we're not interested in rooting for the Bobcats I'm hear me out hear me out hear me yeah, out I'm a Gonzaga
2: fan Chet Holmgren is my favorite player I'm I'm
0: not saying abandon pit. I would I would never ask that of anybody. I'm just saying, you know, while we're waiting for Heather like to sort everything out in the Peterson Event Center, get get, you know, get a foot on the Bobcat bandwagon. We got Kentucky on Friday. Just, you know, it's local. It's 190 miles from where we're sitting to Athens, Ohio. You're keeping it close to the vest. They never have to play Pitt. I'm just saying, you know, they're fun. They beat Virginia in the tournament last year. Doesn't that make you happy? You got to watch Tony Bennett be all sad
3: on national TV. Come on, come on. What do you think? Are you done? (laughs) I guess. Let's talk to Jordan Addison.
1: Under five to play. Pickett surveys the field. Going to take a shot at the end zone. Has Wayne. Touchdown Pitt. Went right back at Storm Duck, 32 yards, and another perfect throw.
0: Today, we welcome on a very special guest with 60 receptions, 1,070 yards, and 11 touchdowns, good enough to lead all receivers in the FBS, semi semifinalist, Jordan Addison. Jordan, how you doing today? Yeah, how you doing? Doing real good. We're real happy to have you on. Appreciate so, it. so that uh, that Bolitnikov semifinalist—that's a—that's a new honor for you. Um, I, I think all of all of Panther Nation knows at this point that you were made aware a couple days ago uh, by a call from your mother uh, that you were a semifinalist for the Bolitnikov Award for the nation's top receiver. Um, who do you think was more excited about that announcement, you or your mom? Definitely my mom. Yeah, did she sound uh, pretty pumped when she called you up on the phone?
4: Yeah, I could hear it. I could just hear it all through her voice. She made a group call with me and all my siblings, so it was it was a fun time while we were on the phone.
0: Oh, you got your brothers and sisters involved. That's uh, yeah. That was probably a really special moment.
4: Yeah, it was a really great moment. I could just hear it. I knew something was big when she called me, and I heard all of them when they were on the phone, and it was just a, just a great moment. Well,
0: that's awesome. Congratulations. We're really excited for you. Thank you. So obviously you're an exceptional talent as a receiver, Um, you know, semi-finalist aside, I remember hearing people say that kid is going to play on uh, Sundays from some of your very first snaps at Pitt. At what point in your life and in your football career did you realize like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. I might, I might be able to do this for a living.
4: I'll say around high school, Around youth league though, I, I was pretty good. I was a really good, I was stood out a lot there, but I didn't really, I wasn't really too confident in myself because of how small I was. So when I got to the next level of high school and I started doing the same thing, really just being me. And then that's when I really started noticing that I could take it to, no, to another level.
0: Excellent. Was there any, you know, particular coach or uh, anyone in your life that kind of helped you make that realization?
4: My high school coach, Coach Ahern, his name is Vince Ahern. He really just led, put, laid the platform out and showed me which way to go, and I thank him a lot for that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, staying on the topic of, you know, your your come up as a, as a football player, uh, were there any particular players that you particularly idolized that you think um, have shaped your style of play as a receiver?
4: Two of the two receivers that I really watch the most is Calvin Riley really and Stefan Diggs. I just like both of their games and that's why I try to model my game after. Uh, what, what
0: specifically do you think you, you took from those two players from watching them?
4: Calvin Riley, really, I try to take his route running. He does a good job of, you know, make, making defenders turn their hips. He does a good job getting out of his breaks, And then Stefan Diggs, he, I like how he, runs after he I like how he runs after the catch when he gets the ball he's tough tough person to tackle in open space
0: yeah absolutely uh he's a a heck of a player um would you consider those two of your your strengths as a receiver
4: yes I'll say my route running I like to use my speed I tempo defenders using my speed and then when I get the ball on my hands I just try to make something happen every time
0: yeah and we've we've seen that we actually tweeted out a, a clip on wednesday night which is tonight but you know for everyone listening on thursday tweet out a clip of that uh that new hampshire touchdown which uh unbelievable i think there were uh 13 guys around you you made that spin move i don't know how they got two more on the field uh but that was wildly impressive so obviously a lot of talent um with the ball in your hands uh but what what is a weakness that you perceive that you have right now as a receiver and is that something that you worked on in the offseason or have been working on your whole career and how?
4: Um, I'm not really sure about a weakness. <laughs> Agreed.
0: I agree with you, Jordan. Then is there anything in particular you really worked on this past offseason to get better at?
4: Actually, contested catches. I feel like that's something that I need. I, I do a pretty good job of making those, but I feel like that's something that I really need to do better of Every time it's a 50-50 ball, I want to make sure I go get it.
0: Absolutely. And that'd be that'd be more of the, the Calvin Johnson
2: side of things, I think. Right. Before you became a Pitt Panther, uh, you were a pretty highly recruited guy. You could have gone to a lot of places in the country. What was your initial reaction to your the offer from Pitt? And what made you end up choosing Pitt?
4: I'll tell you what, when Coach Powell had first came in into my high school and he, you know, he offered me, I was like, I'm not going to Pitt that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm not going there. But then when I came up here on the visit, I built great relationships. Um, I like the city campus and then it's close to home. So that's what led me here. What was it about your first visit to Pitt that surprised you? The facilities. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know how nice the facilities here were.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously being next to the Steelers, uh, I get the Best facilities in the right. country, not even just college football.
4: Yeah, because I didn't know that until I got here and I seen that we shared the same facilities. So going out there and being able to see them every day is just that is great. That's great.
2: For sure. That's like an internship to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, something else you were highly recruited, but not all freshmen come in and play right away. Did you expect to come
4: in right away and produce as much as you did? i I expected to come in and play. I'd seen the rosters and I seen who were who was leaving, and I feel like I had a chance to get the spot and I just came in and kept my head down and worked, and then I was rewarded with it,
2: yeah, I remember seeing your name on some preseason watch lists, which is not super common for pit guys. We had some highly recruited guys, but not everybody is that talented and makes an impact in the a c c right away so it was eye opening to see you on the list, but even more eye opening to see you. Uh, even blow those expectations
4: out of the water early on I just wanted to show people that you know Pitt has some talent too
3: oh hell yeah yeah I love it well Jordan we talked a little bit about what got you to Pitt and then what your first year at Pitt was like but this year I mean this is really your coming out party nationally they knew about you last year but this is your this is your big year uh one big change in in that receivers room is coach Marion coming in Uh, what's one of the biggest things um, that he kind of brought to the table for you something that he maybe had you work on or had you pay a little more attention to detail to that's really helped you step up your game
4: really the biggest thing that that he did for us that helped everyone do a good job was just helping us bring confidence within ourselves he did a good job doing that and now you can see everyone is out there making plays
3: definitely you see all those guys out there making plays and I guess it doesn't hurt when the guy throwing him to use a Hasman contender. Um, what, what's it feel like, or what's it, what was it like for you when you heard Kenny was coming back? Because I feel like a lot of people had a feeling he might be leaving. Uh, what, what was it like for you when you found out he was coming back for a fifth year?
4: When I found out he was coming back, I immediately knew that we were going to be competing for a championship because I knew he' not coming. I knew he wasn't just coming back for no reason. So I'm glad that he came back and we're doing a good job. And we, I just want to finish finish the season off, finish the season off on the right note. And what, what would
3: you say is the best thing about playing with him, um, whether that's on on Saturdays or being in practice with the guy? What, what do you really get from playing with a guy like that?
4: I'll say the knowledge piece. He's a very smart guy. He, know, he knows everything about def- the defenses that we're facing, that we're going to be going up against. So he gets all the receivers together, and we just learn a lot from him.
3: Definitely. Um, and then, so... Saying in within your uh, offense in the receiver room or maybe another position group, who's a young guy who we might not have seen a lot of this year yet just because there's too much depth in front of him, uh, too much talent ahead with older guys. Who's a younger guy that we should look out for maybe next year or the year after who will really break out?
4: Jaden Bradley. Make sure you guys a, remember that name.
3: I had a feeling you were going to mention him. Uh, the little bit of flashes we've seen from him this year, he's looked tough, but uh, what, what do you think it is? Athleticism? Uh, just work ethic? Uh, what what is it about Jaden?
4: He plays the X position, but he can he can run every route in the route tree. That's what makes him stand out for me. And he has great hands.
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how he uh, how he develops. Maybe a little uh, one, two, three punch with with you guys. He's uh, he, he, he he, he gonna be
4: solid. He's gonna be real solid.
3: And uh, you know, one more one more thing on this year. Um, And not completely based around this team, but, you know, I'm sure you played NCAA football growing up on the game, right? All the time. So, unfortunately, you know, they're not making the game anymore, although I'm hoping in the near future we'll get to play it again. But if it were made this year, NCAA 21, what's Jordan Addison's overall?
4: 95.
3: Way to be modest, man, because I I was giving you a 99 off the jump.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll say 95. 99 speed. So, are you the fastest on the team? I'm. Out, I'm probably tied. Actually, no. I'm the fastest. I'm the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's the closest to
2: you if you're the fastest?
4: AJ Woods, Izzy, and I'll say Brandon Hill.
0: Yeah, running back and secondary are two places I like to hear that for sure. Um. So in a couple of years, you'll have the opportunity to be rated on Madden. Uh, let's let's talk about your pro career a little bit. Um, I'm sure you've given yourself the ability or, or the time to kind of daydream about what it's going to be like when you reach the NFL. Have you put any considerations um, into the qualities you might value in your eventual destination? I know right now we're locked in on Pitt, but in the, in the back of your mind, um, have you thought about what kind of place you might want to end up, whether that's, you know, the, because of the weather or because of like a scheme that they run?
4: Um, I really like to go to Miami because of the, because of the weather. Wherever I go, I'll just try to do the best I can, really.
2: Selfishly, I'd like it if you and Kenny both got drafted by the Steelers the next couple of years. How does that
4: sound, to stay in Hinesfield, That would be nice, too.
2: Yeah, the Dolphins, that
0: might be a decent destination because I think they could use a little bit of help at receiver. They just got waddled, but I think they'd like to load up there a little bit. Um, is is there a team you grew up rooting for that you might, you know, could probably see yourself in a jersey for? I know you're from Maryland. Would you be a Ravens football team?
4: My favorite team is the Giants.
0: Oh, okay, okay. How'd you how you end up rooting for the Giants?
4: That's just some. Something- that my uncle put on me and me and my uh, me and my brothers and my cousins growing up. He was a Giants fan, so when we were coming up, he just basically put that on us. So that's what we grew up watching.
0: Awesome, awesome. I'm really glad that you said someone you know in the in the NFC as opposed to the AFC, because then we won't have any issues. Uh, so tickets for kids. Um, incredible charity that you've become involved with. Uh, can you tell us in your own words uh, what that uh, philanthropy benefits, and uh, how did you get involved?
4: It it benefits the kids, really. I just wanted to give back to the kids, and because when I was coming up, as looking up to the college athlete, that's who I looked up to. I looked up to them as superstars, so I just try to sit down with the kids, have lunch with them, and just make their day
0: that's awesome so so tickets for kids it affords uh, children uh, from you know at-risk youth the ability to come to events venues and uh, general experiences that they otherwise wouldn't be able to uh, how do you how do you feel that they might be able to benefit from coming to a pit game or, or going you know to a science museum that typically they wouldn't be able to get in the door of
4: it just Give them a different view on, really give them a different view on life, and maybe give them something to chase after.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's it's a, a very worthy cause, and uh, we think that everyone listening, all the Pit fans uh, out there, should contribute so that we can, you know, help raise up the Pittsburgh community. I also believe they can uh they can donate at ticketsforkids.org, correct? We're going to we're going to plug that in in a tweet later, but I I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Well, um congratulations on partnering with such a such a cool cause. Um thank you again for joining us today and uh best of luck this weekend. Got a big one against UVA coming up.
4: Yes sir. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. Hail to Pitt. Appreciate you guys.
1: Boys, that rain coming down now, first and ten at the pick Pickett throws, end zone, caught! Touchdown, Pittsburgh! Lucas Kroll comes out wide, and when he gets here, it's just gonna be a little post route inside of Kyler McMichael, the cornerback, and it's the big body of Lucas Kroll. Watch the way he uses his body to shield the defender off. Kenny Pickett puts it right on the number.
0: Thank you again to pit wide receiver Jordan Addison and everyone within the pit program uh, that helped make that happen. Uh, Once again, please go to ticketsforkids.org. Great charity. Really be helping out uh, the youth in the area and give them experiences they wouldn't otherwise uh, be afforded. Uh, So, again, great charity, and we really appreciate Jordan coming on. So moving onwardly, it's the big show, boys. This is the one we've been waiting for all season.
2: People have been saying this is the biggest game since that 2009 game against Cincinnati.
3: Season on the line, high win total. Yeah, I mean, I think we've said it multiple times this year, but I think this actually is is the biggest game at Heinz Field. We could say it about two more times.
0: Yeah, not it, about Heinz Field, but in
3: general. But. Right. Yeah, but this is the biggest game. Um, you can go clinch the Coastal, give yourself a chance to win an ACC title, um, and give your chance to give yourself a chance to go ten and two in the regular season. Not to look ahead past Syracuse, anything like that. But um, to be nine and two, uh, one game left, and have that Coastal title uh, locked up. I mean, it. This uh, this is huge, and Pitt fans should get out. Get wild like they did for the Clemson game. I know it doesn't have UVA doesn't have the name brand that uh, Clemson has, and we won't get you know those those fans that just heard Clemson and came running. But um, real Pitt fans should get out for this one, and I think we will. We might not see a game with this much significance for a while. Think of it
2: that way.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I have decided that we are now a perennial football powerhouse. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean Nick Pat will get us nine one spin on him. So let's let's get into the X's and O's. Uh we're as close to the X's and O's as our brains allow us. Uh what what are you guys most worried about uh facing
3: this UVA team? Let's get it out of the way. Brennan Armstrong, is he playing or not? It completely changes everything. Oh, completely.
0: Uh that that goes from a a thirty five point win for Pitt to Whatever the hell is going to happen.
2: Yeah, Armstrong throws for 400 yards a game, and their backup is just straight up not a good passer. So that's about as big of a difference as you can find. Yeah,
0: he looked tough against
3: Notre Dame. Tough Tough meaning bad, not tough meaning like, (laughs) ah. Yeah, they they simply have no chance with with their backup. Knock on wood. That being said, um, with... No inside knowledge, no one has any, but I'd have to think Armstrong got to at least give it a go. It's your your chance to win a Coastal title, win the division. Um, I think he has to at least trot out there. Well, I think that we should prepare
0: and speak as if he is, because otherwise uh, we would not have much more to talk about, and we have a couple more minutes to fill out. So, let's assume
2: Brendan Armstrong is playing on Saturday at Heinz Field. Well, there's no way he will be 100%. Uh, it's his ribs and he's a quarterback. One, you need to throw. He's throwing it deep. That just strains your midsection a lot. That, you can't just do that. He was warming up before the last game. He was throwing the ball like five yards, whatever. He wasn't wearing pads. He didn't have any equipment on. There weren't guys running no full speed. He hits one hard hit. He might just be right back out. There's a good chance if he plays, he might not finish the game if his O-line
3: doesn't step up for him. Tell you what, if I had broken ribs, the last thing I would want to do is be five yards away from Kalaja Cancy, wanting to rip my head off. Yeah,
0: so um, interesting statistic that feels relevant right now. Uh, Pitt has played ten games this year. Eight times have they knocked a quarterback out of the game. That includes the fact that uh, Sam Howe is allegedly questionable for their upcoming game this weekend uh he took a really hard hit on that uh, interception by mj devonshire to end the game um and that that's just that statistic blew me away but come to think about it we've we've sent a couple guys to the injury tent this year
3: makes sense i mean we're constantly getting after the quarterback we've got some Some dogs on that defense, hard hitters. Um, So they're coming after you. So, yeah, I mean, injured quarterback. um, I I, I wouldn't want to be staring down the barrel of Pitt um, if I were him. But yeah, it's. I think that will probably be. You know, obviously that's a big matchup. Virginia doesn't really run the ball all that much. Um, Mm -hmm. they're, They're not. Even think about how Pitt was early in the season with barely having any type of running game barely having any commitment to the running game. Virginia has even less of that with Brennan Armstrong. They're going to go out and sling it. Um, He's going to throw the ball 50 times. And uh, quite frankly, it it does worry me a little bit. They have some really good weapons. Dontavion Wicks, uh, Keaton Thompson, Jelani Woods. Um, They could give Pitt some fits uh, on on any given day. You know, we've seen uh, us get picked apart by some good quarterbacks this year. Um, and I think you know that pass rush will really be a key. If if we can get after Armstrong, make him uncomfortable, make him get rid of the ball a little earlier because he's afraid to take a hit, uh, that'll be a big deal.
2: This is a double-edged sword because I've watched a bit of Virginia this year, and they like to take a lot of shots. Kind of like Pitt with Addison, they like taking shots deep over the middle, and they take shots probably more as much as we do. But if you have a quarterback with broken ribs, you probably won't be holding on to the ball that long. Maybe they'll try to change up their offense a bit, get it out of the, uh, Armstrong's hands soon. But that's something we've had trouble with this year. The spring passes against Miami, uh, the whole Western Michigan debacle, uh, the pass rush wasn't getting home in time. So I think if Armstrong plays, they'll do that one way or another. just a matter of uh, if he can just stay healthy and survive. Yeah, not to mention uh, Virginia
0: has a receiver who wears 99 and there's no, like, logic or statistic to back this up, but this just kind of feels like something that would
2: give Pitt a problem. Like,
0: we would give up 200 yards to a receiver wearing
2: 99. Well, Keaton, Tom, well, Keaton Thompson is a very unique player, uh, mainly because his position on their depth chart is, quote, football player. They just put him wherever they
0: want. God, that's so cool. I'm not even going to pretend to be unimpressed by that. Yeah,
2: and he's like a physical freak. They give him to the ball in the wildcat a lot, and he's big, he's fast, he can make moves, he can catch the ball. So he'll be all over the place, and that will probably give Pitt some trouble. Like, no matter who plays or doesn't play, Mm. he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, Just a matter of if you can contain him and be sound elsewhere. On the defensive side of the ball, though, the one thing that was very encouraging from watching that Notre Dame game, they are not good at tackling. I know Notre Dame has a heck of a running back, but was yeah. my goodness, they
3: couldn't even like, touch him. Or they weren't touching him, they were bouncing off of him like flies. Yeah, I think that's a promising thing for me, is um, one of the many promising things, but, I mean, Pickett on his senior day is simply going to shred a very bad defense. They... They've let up 59 points this year to UNC. They let up 66 points to BYU. They let up 40 points to Georgia Tech. They shut out Duke. That was the anomaly. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, this is just not a very good defense. So this is another, you know, what we expected last Thursday. We expected a shootout. Maybe this this is closer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was only a matter of time until we mentioned this. The Vegas lines, that's what everyone's trying to use as their their injury report. Yeah. Um. You know, over under at sixty seven and a half feels a little low for a game with Kenny Pickett and Brennan Armstrong quarterback in both sides. I don't know. Uh, not to look too much into it. We said that last week though, and boy, were our predictions too high? Yeah, didn't didn't come close to touching the uh, the seventy point over under they had last week. So you know, uh, could mean a whole lot of nothing, but it's. It feels like a game where Pitt should go and put up a lot of points, and um, the offense should be clicking on all cylinders. It's a bit of a gift to pick it in his final game at Heinz Field, isn't it? Kenny's last game at Heinz Field last year against Virginia Tech. Uh, over 400 yards. Do I hear 500? Do I hear five? I don't think he's throwing for 500 unless we're playing from
0: behind. Um, however, I... You know, and, and I'm sure we'll cover this uh, as we always do. Uh, I th- I think he's he's gonna have some fun this week. Um, you know, it doesn't look like any of his uh, any of his weapons came out of the uh, the UNC game banged up. I did hear that Rodney Hammond might be questionable, uh, but as as far as his primary guys, they're still going to be ready to roll this game. Offensive line, possibly a little bit beat up. I had heard some. Um, Pretty grim reports on uh, Jake Cradle and and his leg situation. I I may have overheard some things while I was walking through what I think was the parents section uh, of Heinz Field after halftime, um, and and it, it didn't sound positive. Uh, this, is, this is journalism you get nowhere else, folks. Yeah, yeah. there's that Ohio University journalism degree on display. Narduzzi um, didn't
2: comment on his status today, but he did say that Gabe Hoy, who left the game, would be likely to play, or he felt good about where he was. Well,
0: that's positive news, but you know, regardless, if, if Kenny Pickett's going into that game healthy with a healthy slate, I, I anticipate him to put up some numbers. I mean, this is
3: an abysmal defense we're lining up against. Also, can we get a heavy dose of Izzy on Saturday? Please. I, I I know that, you know, offense has been great, you know, but twelve carries for sixty three yards last week. I wouldn't have minded, you know, twenty carries for a buck ten. I I just wanna see them use them use him like they did against Virginia Tech. Not for don't force feed him, but I mean when he's rolling, let him get rolling a little bit. It's going to open
0: the game up for Pickett, and, and you know that might have been what contributed to him plateauing a little bit in the uh, in, in the second half last week. I, you know, <clears throat> I agree. Uh, anytime they hand is Izzy leaves me wanting more. He breaks some really impressive runs. I love his patience. I would I would love to see them give him a little bit more work. So as we all know, this uh, this is the make or break game for Pitt. You know, I- as far as the uh, ACC coastal race um, if we win we're in if we, uh, if we lose we need some help from uh, Justin Fuente the following week against Virginia uh, how, how does the rest of the ACC race look coming off of last week
3: um, No, I watched that Wake Forest NC State game from start to finish Wake Forest pulled it out so as long as they don't drop these final two to Clemson and Boston College they're in um, and, you know, I, I think they're a good enough team to win one of those two, uh, unless, you know, Clemson defense could give them tr- problems, uh, Phil Dracovic might play Superman that last week of the year, but for the most part, uh, it looks like Wake Forest will probably come out of the Atlantic, so, um, you know, on, on a collision course with the Panthers, maybe? I went back and forth just based on who I thought
2: looked more beatable, but both teams are, Pretty good offenses. Uh, NC State might have a slightly better defense. I don't know. They're very similar. I decided I want to see Wake Forest because they will be ranked higher. It'd be a bigger or a higher profile game. And beating a one loss team to
3: cap off the season in the ACC Championship would feel really, really good. They just run that goofy delayed handoff RPO stuff that I, it's just so weird to watch because i haven't seen anyone else who runs it like that and that just feels like something that Pitt will either absolutely eat up and have and they will have no success with that And of will just blow everything up or it will be something that gives Pitt so many fits and and we we have that in our nightmares for the rest of time but i, I don't want to start scouting a team that, that we're <laughs> about a, a month away from playing even if we make it there. so Please win. Let's, let's um, reel it
0: back. Let's reel it back. So to review, Wake Forest is a win against Clemson from clinching the Atlantic. Um, Pitt needs to take care of business on Saturday uh, in order to close things out in the Coastal. There's also uh, the possibility that if we were to lose against Virginia, uh, again, Justin Fuente would need to try to come in and save his job to then save Pitt's season. If they were to lose to Virginia Tech and we were to beat Syracuse, we would still make it to the ACC championship game. But let's well, take care of business then. Which brings us to our most
3: important question of the day. Will we? Yes. We've come this far. If any you predict a loss, we've, this will be our last episode. No, I, all joking aside, I, I do think... I think the Panthers come out victorious. Um, I don't want. I'm not overly confident. I'm never overly confident about Pitt, um, but you know we're on a roll here. Home game, coast on the line, Kenny Pickett senior day, um, the stars are aligning, and uh, I, I do think the Panthers take care of business. What's the score? I'm gonna go with. Um, there's going to be some fireworks, going to be some scoring. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing crazy, but I'm going to go with 45-31, your Pit Panthers, to take home the Coastal Crown. Well, do you have a Pickett stat line for a senior day? Senior day, Kenny Pickett. He gets to have a little bit of fun. Not too much fun, though, but he gets to have a little bit of fun. 28 for 40, 321 yards, three touchdowns. He's gonna get a rushing touchdown too. Hopefully take out a pylon or two. Ooh, how poetic. A little callback. I also think this is going to be a pit win.
2: A healthy Brennan Armstrong scares me. A moderately healthy Brennan Armstrong also scares me, but not as much. Also, I just think Pitt is the better team and UVA's flaws we can take advantage of. I'm gonna say Pitt wins forty two to twenty eight. Um, pickett. This is my ideal scenario. We go up big and Pickett gets to come out of the game to a standing ovation like mid-fourth quarter. But before that, he goes 31 for 44 with 335 passing yards and three touchdowns.
0: Let's throw another question on there. Uh, Our new friend Jordan, what's his
3: stat line for this one? 8
2: for 126 and a touchdown. I'll go... 7 for
3: 111 and a touchdown. And a punt return touchdown. Ooh. I like that. That gets uh, called back. On a BS <laughs> blocking back. That we all boo about and threaten to kill the refs. Okay. Go ahead. You've watched a lot of pit football. Um...
0: I do think this is going to be a really explosive affair. Uh, I have Pitt 54-30. Uh, to 30. I think Pickett has a career day. There's no reason to expect anything other than uh, a poetic performance from Kenny Pickett. 4-32. Uh, four touchdowns. 30 yards on the ground. I think Addison has a huge day. I um, Jordan, rather, as, you know, our, our dear friend. Uh, Jordan's going to have a great game. atone for a couple drops he had last week. Uh, and and I think he puts up uh, 9 and 160. Doesn't find the end zone, but I, I think he comes close a couple times. Uh, and, and, you know, puts up some crazy numbers. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just think Brendan Armstrong being banged up. That's all you need to know about this game. They are going to need to keep up with Pitt and I just don't think they can do it even if they roll him out
3: one one or two well-timed blitzes in the first quarter are going to are, are going to seal it hypothetically speaking he does get knocked out of the game due to his previously injured ribs what Pitt defender takes him out <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh I think Dennis gets him in the open field. Squid? I'm going to go with... I think Cancy's the easy pick. I'm yeah. trying to think of something outside of the box, but I don't know. I think uh, they're going to really play it safe with Armstrong if he does play, but there's
3: no escaping Kalasha Kansi. Cancy's the easy pick, um, for sure. I'm going to go with John Morgan. Just gets loose off the edge, comes through untouched. Blind side. Trap walker. Uh... Sent out a tweet earlier about about uh, playing Brennan Armstrong, quoting that that tweet you referenced about uh, all the all the quarterbacks we've knocked out of games this year. I think the tweet has since been deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm looking out for number six to do the do the damage there. But hey, we've got a chance to clinch the ACC Coastal on Saturday.
0: Oh, please win! This is just take a second, man. Do you think we were really going to be in this position
3: a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago? This is awesome. It's a great place to be. Great day to be a Pitt fan, soak it all up, enjoy every second of it. Kenny Pickett's final charge.
1: Here comes the ball game for North Carolina. The pressure's on. Howie gets out of it. Throws it up. Ball game. Pitt. Gets the win in overtime, 30-23. MJ Devonshire, the interception. Thank
3: you for tuning in to the Loyal Sons podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at the Loyal Suns. Subscribe to us here, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Give us a like, give us a rating, if you feel so kind. If you are a first-time listener, come back next week. We do this every week, and I think we're only getting better at this. Uh, as always, we will see you on Saturday in the North Shore. We'll be at the Gold Lot tailgating bright and early. Come by and say hi to us. We'll have a cold beer flag flying. Um, talk pit football, talk pit hoops if you really want to do that. And we'll be there ready to watch Kenny Pickett on his final charge in Heinz The Virginia Cavaliers take on our pit panthers as we have a chance to clinch the coastal crown. 3.30 p.m. Hinesfield, Be there. And as always, day, you Hail royal Sons of Christmas. anyway. She doesn't
4: care Please win. That. Hey, Please win. Some beautiful meet She never compromises. Loves babies and surprises. Wears high heels when she exercises? Ain't ya?